Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen, is back on the mic for good, hopefully. Yeah, no Got more little, no more knee surgeries, bro. Got a uh, little raspy voice, but we are excited to be here, guys. We got some good questions to go over today in the Q&A for Cody to answer. Damn, you do have a raspy voice. Yeah, I know. When did that happen? Uh, today. We've been here since six. It's <clears throat> been fine. Fucking grinding, man. Yeah. I don't know. It's been a long day of content creation. Um, and might as well shout this out too while we got uh, while we're on the air and while we're on the topic. Um, go check out the YouTube channel. Real, real quick, I'm just going to say youtube.com slash Cody McBroom1. Uh, we've been putting out shorts like animals and uh, we're going to. I'm going to share some of them on Instagram so you can catch them there too, just to like kind of show you guys. Cause I know there's some people who are so I've been this way. So like uh stubborn to their platform, you know, they don't want to go consume elsewhere. Yeah. I'm that way with like, like I was so stubborn with TikTok. I still am. I'm not going to go on there, but like that's one thing. So if somebody's saying you got to go see my TikTok videos, I'm like, well, if you decide to share one on Instagram, I'll go. So I know there's some of those people out there. So I'm going to share some of them on Instagram temporarily and it'll be like one out of every seven because we're doing them every day but i just want to encourage people to go look at them because they're doing well and we're putting them out and i think they're they're really helpful um very brief they're actually more helpful than i thought they would be yeah because in my mind i'm like 30 seconds you can't do anything but they're good um and of course leave us a question for the podcast you can click the green button in spotify or you can just click the link that's in the description of this podcast wherever you're listening to it the link lives in the tailored coaching method instagram as well as my instagram um, also, so you can ask any question. You can also drop us any, uh, interviews you want us to do, which I was talking about some last one that I just recorded by myself. Got a lot of them, good ones lined up. Um, and a few that I'm going back and forth with that we're going to get on the, the show as well. So we're, I'm excited to finally be getting into the rhythm and routine again. Yeah. I feel like it's just been kind of crazy lately and it's, uh, it's been nice to like finally somewhat get back to normal. For me, not for Somewhat. you. Yeah, not for you yet. Outside of these days where, um, when are they going to let you drive? Like, at what point is your, because it's your right Probably foot. Probably two weeks, yeah. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah. I was thinking about it. I'm like, damn, is that like until you're not on crutches or just until like your foot has enough like strength to, or like your leg has enough strength to. That's what I would assume. Quickly should slam be on, on the brakes. I should be on crutches for one more week. Hopefully next week I go down to one and just kind of walk on it softly. Holy shit. That's quick. Bro. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't. Nearly as invasive as the first. Surgery. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What What was it this time? It was, I don't want to. I don't know. Is it where they do like a Mis- scope? Meniscectomy. So yeah. I think that's where they just like. Um, just scraped it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Last time they found like calcium in my knee, and so they had to dig it out. Uh, so it was like insanely more bruised. Yeah. But yeah, because mine was a complete repair, a, a total reconstruction. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking, I was like. That was this time? Yeah. Oh, that's not too bad. No. Um, yeah. Two I, surgeons? I, I was on crutch for like eight weeks. God damn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. yeah. That's total repair. Yeah, it was brutal. Oh, my God. But. I was like three or so, three or four last surgery. Oh, was the last surgery the same thing? Yeah. But oh. they found that in my. Oh, right, yeah. right, right. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's not that's not too crazy. I can't remember what the first one was. I was in high school, but. Um, Connor, yeah. Connor yesterday said I should be back to normal life stuff, not completely like strength wise but doing normal things in six weeks dope yeah. oh yeah yeah um, that's way better than i was thinking i you guess should. i just had in my head like what my experience was like and yeah. i'm literally thinking in my mind like i'm gonna be taking you home on the days you come in to film stuff for the next eight weeks yeah like no, no, no. 
Maybe two. Aaliyah. Um, what are you excited about as far as uh, working with Trevor and Chip? I didn't even think about this. This wasn't planned, but, but not to put you on the spot. But yeah, like, no, I haven't worked with him yet. I know, but like, what are you excited about getting into that? Because obviously that's, uh, for those listening, Trevor on our team is a coach, obviously. Yeah. Um, Travis is going to be hiring him to to take over his nutrition help. Starting with. Monday. Yeah. So yeah. What, what are you... Uh, what are you looking forward to? What was the drive to do it? I'm just, it, it's cool because like you're man. the, you're in the client shoes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's cool because I can talk all day about how important certain things are and why you should get a coach. But when somebody who isn't a coach on the staff is hiring one of the coaches on the staff and isn't required to, like you would just hit me up and you're like, yo, like let's talk, I want to talk about this because yeah. I want to get somebody to help me. I don't know. It's dope. Yep. I just, I mean, it's more about not letting somebody down and reaching your goals in that aspect than not reaching your goals and saying, well, nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like doing it because someone is relying on you. Yeah, and I think that's like, uh, you know, there's all these apps now where it's like, um, it's basically like virtual. It's like an AI nutrition coach. Yeah. It adjusts your diet wow. and checks in. Like, but I just think about that. I'm like, I can't imagine if I turned in my weekly update form and it was just like a robot responding back, <laughs> giving me like a percentage grade Thanks, or bro. something. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just, uh, I don't know. Send me some emojis back. Like, yeah. um, it's just so different. Cause you literally are like, you send that in, you're like, you don't give a fuck. Yeah. Cause you're not a person. Yep. <laughs> and if I don't, they don't say anything. Exactly. Yep. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, very, very, very valuable. I'm excited for you to do that. I'm excited for Trevor to get to know you better through that too. Um, and it's just dope. The whole team's just fucking on point. All in. Yeah. Pushing forward. And, um, I talked about my cut on the last podcast that I recorded here by myself, which was yesterday, I think, or whatever. But, um, I'm fucking motivated right now, man. Summer's coming. We're a hundred days away from summer as of today. Oh, I mean, if you count June first as the first day of summer, yeah. It, it, August first is the first day of summer by here. the calendar. Yeah, <laughs> in Washington, it's August literally. Um, I, I've had rain. We've had rain on July fourth. Yep, multiple Last times. Year, here. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, that was. I never forget going camping. We used to go camping in the summer all the time up in Little Nat Cheese, and I'll never forget in July in the summer. Friends giving me shit because I brought a tarp. And they're like, why do you bring a tarp? And I'm like, you guys obviously didn't grow up camping. Yeah. You always bring tarp. And they're like, it's summer. I'm like, okay. And I'm the only one with a tent that's not getting fucking drenched. And yeah. then and then next thing you know, there's like 12 people in my tent because yeah. there was a bunch of people that with us. <laughs> so we packed up and left at like midnight, dude. At like 16, 17 with years old. With friends or family? Friends. Oh, my God. So my truck was my, uh, my Explorer, Thomas, Brett. Like everybody was just packed in mine, Cameron. And then like Melissa Swanson was following us. Like we had all these cars trailing. Middle of the night we left because everybody's getting soaked except my tent. And I'm like, nope, we're not sleeping 15 people in my tent, you know, between the guys and girls. It's like, this is stupid. Um, and we're driving pitch black up there. There's no lights, you know. Driving and uh, as we come around the corner and you can only see so far with your headlights. Yeah. Especially on a 1996 Explorer. <laughs> yeah. Fucking moose right in the middle of the street. And just, I just. A uh, moose just, or an elk? Moose. Moose. Yeah. Whoa. You ever seen a moose? I mean, yeah, in Alaska. Oh damn! I mean, yeah, but um, it's not walking across the street. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously they're they're common the further north you get, but we got them over here too. They're massive. I've seen way more elk because my yeah. uh, stepdad used to hunt elk up there, but they're definitely huge. Weird, but that's crazy. They're astronomically big. Yeah, it would kill us. <laughs> He's that Ford Explorer would just get totaled. Yes. <laughs> go th like he would crush us. I'd probably die, and then he'd walk off, yeah. trot off. Those things are huge. It was so scary, but. That idea. Yep. All night. But yeah. Um, anyway, I'm we're real close to summer. Yeah. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the team. I'm excited for what we're doing. Um, yeah. 
Let's get into the questions yeah, today, man. Let's do it. All right, we got the first question. It says, I am curious about your opinion on drop sets, not squats. Uh, <laughs> research seems to be research seems to show that they are very effective for a shorter period of time than straight sets. So why are we not all doing drop sets all the time? Um, so if you look at, if you actually look at the research about drop sets, I mean, it it boils down to how you interpret them. Drop sets are great. They're, they're very intense. They're very challenging. They're very like from a mental perspective, they're very challenging and stimulating. They're very fun. Um, depending on, what you're doing them with they're uh i mean you just get like a gnarly pump um and they're they can be safe but they can also be dangerous depending on what you do so i think it's it's kind of like contextual we'll break it down but for those listening who don't know what a drop set is a drop set is typically there's many ways to do it but essentially what you do is you would perform your working set of however many reps with whatever load you're using and then you would peel off a certain amount of weight and perform a drop set so when you peel weight you drop down load and you perform a final set of max reps or just essentially more volume than you did on the last set that's a drop set so for example if i did a uh for case of your example a squat let's say i did a back squat and i had 225 pounds on there so for this one again there's no standardized load to pull off so you could say 25 percent, 40 percent, 50 percent. it ultimately depends on how many reps you're doing and what kind of exercise you're doing on the first one but let's say it just for easy easeability of pulling off plates i do 225 pounds for like eight to ten reps so like just a normal set of heavy squats pull off 145 and i perform as many reps as i can with 135 so maybe i do that eight to ten reps with leaving a couple in the tank with the 225 and then i do uh 135 for 15 to 20 reps right afterwards or as quickly as I can after pulling off the plates. So we're reducing load by about half there, and then we're cranking out a lot of extra volume. So what we're doing really, like theoretically, what what it was kind of uh, not created for, but like the hype around it was, is essentially that if we are overloading a muscle and then we are just cranking on volume at a lighter load, we're, it, we're extending how far we can take that fatigue. So we're taking it closer to failure because if I was to keep that 225, I might be able to do a few more reps, but if I peel it, I can do 20 more reps. So we're obviously accomplishing more volume there. Um, you could say that you are accomplishing the benefit of mechanical tension and or metabolic fatigue and metabolite accumulation, which is just essentially that pump. You get that pump and the burning in your, in your uh, muscle where we're just filling it up with blood and metabolites and lactate. And uh, that's that burning sensation in your quads. And that that does have an effect on hypertrophy. You're, you're pushing that metabolic fatigue further and further because you're adding those lighter weight sets for high reps. Um, but the problem with it is that, number one, if you're doing it with an exercise like back squat, it could be dangerous, right? Just like, or it could be just stupid. If you're doing it with an exercise with like a deadlift, it's just dumb because you're the deadlift isn't really a hypertrophy exercise. So if you're just doing a drop set of deadlifts, you're not really going to gain more strength from that. You could build more muscle, but it's not an isolation exercise. So it's not the best for a drop set. And the injury risk of a deadlift is much higher. So if you're doing it on a back squat, again, the injury risk is higher because it's a compound lift versus if you're doing it on a dumbbell split squat or a leg extension or even a leg press when you have somebody who can peel the plates off there, you want to save it for exercises that are extremely safe to go to failure with basically, not a, a... a lift that you could hurt your back or get crushed on the bar with. Um, finally, if you actually look at research comparing drop sets versus just regular sets, non-time constraints. So like she mentioned, it seems to be beneficial from a time perspective. And that's true. 
But if you remove the time constraint, there's no benefit to it um, outside of having fun. So I still do, even in the trainer rogue programs, I just put out, uh, there's some drop sets. I do some drop sets for shoulders, glutes, arms. Like those are kind of the ones glutes more for women. I don't isolate my glutes too much at all. And then for arms, biceps, triceps, shoulders, I will do drop sets just because they're fun and I enjoy getting a pump. There's, I'd probably actually get more out of it if I didn't do it. And I just did another heavier set because that's more volume total. So the benefit kind of diminishes when we don't have a time constraint. So if we take a study and we go, okay, we're going to do the same amount of volume from a, uh, a sets perspective, but this person can do drop sets and this person isn't going to do drop sets. Well, the drop sets might feel like you're getting a more of a pump, more of a burn. You might feel like you're doing more work from a hypertrophy perspective, but by the end of the session and therefore at the end of the week, when you start stacking those sessions up, it actually lowers your volume because you have to reduce your load. And when you reduce your load and crank up the reps, you increase your metabolic fatigue, which is at the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to uh, what leads to muscle growth. It's important, but it's not as important as overall load or total volume. So if your overall load drops because you're doing drop sets and the drop sets are causing you to reduce load and or causing more fatigue for the future sets in that session, your total load that you can lift is going down because you're fatigued from the drop sets, metabolically speaking. Um, now you can't do as much weight and potentially not as much sets, both of which are going to lower your total volume. That's the key driver of hypertrophy. It makes it not that beneficial. Now, if we take a, a session, we go, you only have 30 minutes to get this done, or you can only train in the gym for three sessions per week it's probably going to be the most beneficial way to try and reach that volume because what you can do is a full body session and you can tack a drop set on the, the last set of every exercise you do um, as uh, the last set of every exercise, final exercise you do for each muscle group. So what I mean by that is if I'm doing um, like deadlifts, uh, split squats, bench press, and T-bar row, I would go deadlift and then I wouldn't do a drop set and then I would do squats and then I would do a drop set on that because that's my last leg exercise. Then I do bench press. I do a drop set because that's my only chest exercise. Then I do a T-bar row. It's my only back exercise. I'm going to do a drop set. So the bench press drop set isn't negatively impacting my T-bar row, right? The squat drop set isn't negatively impacting my bench outside of maybe getting tired, but your session is only 30 minutes. Mm. You're probably not going to be that fatigued. So in that case, you would get more volume in because it's not negatively impacting the next exercise in your sequence. And you only have a small window. So if you just did straight sets, you wouldn't be able to do enough in that 30 minutes. So you'd leave the gym doing less than what you should have done to grow. So there is studies that prove it's beneficial or potentially better, but only in the circumstance where there is a time constraint that wouldn't allow you to get enough volume to grow with doing straight sets. Otherwise, every single time you look at a study looking at hypertrophy, straight sets are going to be more beneficial than supersets 90% of the time, drop sets probably 95% of the time, um, or taking short rest periods because that will too lead to more metabolic fatigue and feel like you're getting a gnarly pump. But what you're really doing is just you're, you're increasing your fatigue and uh, decreasing your recovery so that you leads to a decreased performance and volume essentially. Yeah. So, yeah. Totally. Yeah. So I would do them for fun <clears throat> or to save time, but if you don't need to save time, don't do them. Yeah. Don't do them unless yep. you're just trying to like, I usually do them on my last set of the day when, when I'm finishing with isolation exercises. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, if I'm finishing with a leg extension or leg curl, or if I'm finishing with a curl, dumbbell curl, tricep extension, stuff like that, I will do it on the final set because it's kind of like, why not? I did everything I need to do today. If I have a little bit left in me, might as well do drop sets. Fun. Yeah. Get a pump. Totally. So. Cool. All right. We will move on to the next question. It says, I have been lifting 
consistently for about a year and a half. In the fall, I started hiring a personal trainer to write eight-week programs for me. The most recent one she wrote put, or the uh, most recent one she wrote, she put the days in the following order. Push legs, put, or push legs, pull legs, glutes, shoulders. I always hear you are not supposed to work the same muscle group two days in a row. On this program, the last two days both include multiple glute exercises. For example, hip thrusts and glute focus leg press on one day. Kickbacks and glute emphasized back extensions on the next day. Am I overthinking the fact that these exercises are one day apart, or is that a sign that my trainer may not know what she's doing? Here we go. Yeah, I'm sorry, trainer. Um, I'm going to shit on it a little bit uh, because I do believe that's poor programming for the most part. Um, so she said the glute and shoulders are one day, right? So it's push, pull, legs, and then the fourth day is glutes nope. and shoulders. Nope. Push, legs, pull, legs, glutes and shoulders. So it's five days. Glutes slash shoulders. Right. But so push, legs, pull, legs. Glutes, shoulders. Okay. Yep. Um, so there's, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt first and just say, one, I'd be curious of when your rest days are. If your rest days are Saturday, Sunday, then yeah, this doesn't make too much sense because then it's just Monday through Friday. But for example, if I have somebody training their legs two times in a row, which I have done, but there's a full rest day in between them. And so, for example, in female physique that is in Train Heroic, which again, the link for that and as well as the 2.0 and the male versions of those, uh, well, they're just a completely different program. So Power Builder is the male versions of the programs I have out right now on Train Heroic, but all those are in the description of this podcast. But on the four-day female physique version, it goes lower, upper, lower, and then it's like glutes slash upper. So in a way, I do what she's talking about right here, right? The third day is legs, and the fourth day is an upper body day with extra glute work on it. However, it's a Thursday, Saturday. So it goes Monday, Tuesday is lower, upper, Wednesday's rest, Thursday's lower, Friday's complete rest, Saturday is upper body with a little bit of glutes. So you are training those two sessions back-to-back, but the back-to-back is split by 36 hours because it's a full 24-hour rest day in between. Then you count the hours between, like, it's almost 48 hours if you think about it because if you're training in the afternoon, you have the rest of the day, then a full day, and then a half a day before you get in there, right? So um, on paper, I would say it depends. But if you're going from Thursday is legs and then Friday is glutes and shoulders, yeah, you know, that's, it's iffy. And especially if you were just doing legs two days before that too. So there's a lot of, it depends in this, right? Um, it also depends too. Like is your leg day that comes before shoulders and glutes? Is that a quad dominant leg day? Cause what if that whole day is just quads, abs and calves or maybe hamstrings, but there's just no like direct glute work. And then you have a shoulder day with a little bit of direct glute work. That's different than saying I train legs two days in a row. You know what I mean? It's just, it is different. Um, so there's a lot of factors that come into play, the total volume, exercise selection, muscle group specificity, like all that kind of stuff. Um, cause I, I'm not going to say you can't train a muscle two days in a row. However, you can you shouldn't train a muscle two days in a row. If you're training that same muscle with a high level of intensity or volume, because that's where overuse injuries are going to happen. And you're going to, uh, lower your body's capability to go through a full cycle of muscle protein synthesis and growth. Like your body's not going to go through the entire recovery and growth process. It should, if you're doing it too close together with high volumes. And we know that high volumes and high intensities and efforts are exactly what lead to muscle growth. Um, so it's hard to say, and it, it just, it sounds like a very odd program. 
um, there's a much better way to balance it. So like, you know, to me, like if I'm thinking program design 101, the first thing you're going to do is balance a program well. So if somebody's training five days a week, I'm either going full body um, and balancing out the volume exercise by exercise throughout the week. Uh, I'm doing upper, lower, upper, lower, full, or I'm doing upper, lower, you can do three lowers, two uppers, or three uppers, two lowers. You can do push, pull, legs, upper, lower. You can go upper, lower, push, pull, legs. Like, I mean, there's a million ways to do it. But if I hear push, legs, pull, legs, glutes, shoulders, it's just very random. You're yeah. just kind of throwing shit at the wall. Um, why do a push and a pull day separately and then a shoulders and glutes? You know what I mean? The only thing I could think of is like, okay, if this person doesn't care at all about chest, um, and triceps and they want more shoulders, then okay, we have a push day where we do chest, shoulder, triceps, and then we have a shoulder isolation day. Okay, why one pull day? Your back's some of the most important muscles in the body. Even if a client's like, oh, I don't really care about my back looks, I'm like, okay, cool. But if you're going to be pressing or wanting good posture or pre preventing mm -hmm. injuries, we better train your back, you know? Um, so yeah, and it depends, you know? And then again, too, if I really want to develop somebody's glutes and I want to hit their legs three times a week, I'm going to do three leg days like that, but I'm going to split them up Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, or Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Thursday, something. So I have a full 24 plus hours between each of those sessions. And I'm going to do glutes in all those sessions because my volume is going to be higher. I'm going to do glutes, quads, and hamstrings in all those sessions probably because now my volume's higher at the end of the week because I split up the volume and it allows me to perform a heavier loads each time I hit those muscle groups. So yeah, I don't, I don't want to say she doesn't know what she's talking about because the truth is, is, you know, programming is an art. So some of what I'm saying here is based on my opinion. It's based on anecdotal evidence that I have acquired over years and years and years of coaching people. It's what I believe is tried and true, but I could stand toe to toe with another trainer who train programs differently and has all their reasons. Neither one of us can really say what is right. Correct. We can cite research as why we think we're right and why it applies to this, but there's no like scientific program design for training is basically using scientific principles to create your own methods to display and practice those scientific principles. Cause there's no, there's no like Bible on programming. Yeah. There's books written on it. There's not that many, there's some books written on it. And that's really just a book full of anecdotes and experiences from somebody who's been a coach for a long time. You know, and that if I wrote a book on programming, I think it'd be great, but it would just be what I believe in and what yep. I think. So, um, like you said, it's an art, man. It is. Yeah. I mean, there's that, that's just that. So, um, yeah. And here's the other thing too, is what I would say, the best way to tell if you are, if this is not an ideal setup for you is if you are training hard enough and you're, if you're, if you know for a fact you're training hard enough to build muscle, you know that you're doing enough volume, you know that your intensity is there, you, you're comfortable using the RIR scale and you know how to push your effort and, um, yeah, your effort and your intensity in the gym. You know you're doing your part in that side. If you're recovering super well still or like well enough, like there's days you're more fatigued, there's days you're sore, but you're recovering, you're probably fine. But if you're not recovering or the soreness is lingering or your performance on the second leg day is subpar compared to the first day and you don't know why, well, it's because you're not recovering well enough. You might get hit it good on Monday because you've had Saturday, Sunday off and maybe Tuesday is good because that's a push day or a pull day or whatever. Um, but then once you go back to hit this, the same muscle group again, if your performance is suffering, it's because they're too close together, plain and simple. So, um, now at the same time, if you're brand new and you, maybe you don't know how to push it hard enough, or they're not teaching you how to push hard enough, you're not going to know if this is an ideal program until you are. So in one sense it might work cause you're a newbie in another sense, 
you might just be training in a suboptimal way. But depends. Yeah. Read a bunch of content. Get some books, uh, some programs that you can buy online, like ebooks and stuff from people. Um, I mean, shit, we have two that are free, so you don't have to buy them. Uh, physique, the physique manual, uh, and which is based on bodybuilding for gen pop people. So it's bodybuilding principles formed for everyday people or performance bodybuilding, both of which are at taylorcoachmethod.com slash guides. 100% free. There's example programs, and I explain all of this shit in detail. All my methods, volume, intensity, frequency, everything. Exercise selection, how to individualize that, how to use RPE or RIR. It's all broken down in these pretty big ebooks that are completely free. Read through those and, and decide your own opinion on what you think is right, and you can judge the program you're getting better at that point, you know? Totally. So It's good advice. All right, let's go. Uh, the third question here um, is says, I have a question about clients coming from Optivy, which is a very restrictive fad diet, like 800 to 1,000 calories, and they recommend no exercise. Whoa. Just awful. Yeah. Whoa. Anyway, I have a lot of women coming to me off this program. Many of them have a, lost a good chunk of weight and have gained weight back, but they all have weight they still need to lose. I'm not sure if they can safely continue in a in a deficit. They have body fat to lose on the flip side. They have spent many, many months on this very low calorie program. Which direction would you think is best for these individuals? I'm not a hundred percent positive, but just for people listening, I believe it's Octavia. Not that you would know how to pronounce that, but I'm just saying if people want to look it up, I'm pretty sure it's Octavia. What is it? O P T A V I A. I think it is Octavia. Um, so this is like very textbook style. I mean, we just, I just did a podcast, um, with Brandon Roberts. I believe it's already out. So go check that out. Um, Dr. Roberts and I went over weight loss drugs. Um, and these are like prescription based weight loss drugs. And this is very like textbook with that, with any type of like HCG or anything like that. That's like a very extreme diet or a prescribed diet. Um, where doctors will provide you with some kind of supplementation or prescription that is uh, promoted as a weight loss supplement or drug. And it does work, but part of the reason it works is because it, it puts you on a very low-calorie diet. And part of the reasons they work is because they're just extreme appetite suppressants. So it allows you to like consistently stay at 1,000 calories or less because you're not hungry. It suppresses your appetite that much. So it's not that it's like, there has been in the past, we kind of went over the history on some of the stuff. If you haven't listened to that podcast yet, it's really good. So I'd suggest it, but essentially, um, it's not like it's some crazy thermodynamic or thermogenic supplement where you, you take it and now your heart rate and your metabolism go through the roof and you're burning a ton of calories. Some of them did cause some thermogenesis increasing effects, but a lot of it is just, this is going to make it so you are just never fucking hungry, which makes it way easier to stay in a calorie deficit, which means that it still just boils down to a calorie deficit basically. Um, but nonetheless, it makes it easier. Now, the problem with this is when they get off of that, they're no longer relying on a supplement and on a prescription. And that prescription they were relying on was something that caused them to not be hungry. And once they lose the weight, insurance stops paying for it and or the doctor stops prescribing it because one, it's not safe to take long term. And two, you already got your goal. But as soon as you stop taking this pill, you've been relying on to suppress your appetite. Your appetite goes through the roof. You start eating like you normally used to. And then you gain a bunch of weight, which is exactly what's happening to her, which is why weight loss drugs are not the answer. Um, there's aspects of them that can work for extremely obese individuals. And I think that's great because we're creating they are creating technology and, and uh, pharmaceuticals that can help people who are three, four, five hundred pounds that 
can't exercise, don't have it, like they need it. That's great. But for everyday people, it's not the answer. Um, this is why things like Octavia just don't work because people gain the weight back. Um, the other thing, you know, I would say that, then I'm going to say this too, like, so because of that, I would probably try to reverse them as slow as I can, only from a standpoint of teaching them self-control. They need to reverse their calories up. So the truth is, is what I would do and how I would approach this is unfortunately, you're going to have to have a hard conversation with these people. They need to understand that what they were doing is not healthy. And if they continue doing it, it's not going to lead them to a healthy place. Still not going to be healthy. Yeah, it's bad. So we have to be upfront and honest with them in the front and say like, Hey, we can't continue to push down this path. We have to bring your calories up. Number one, you can't sustain this diet. Number two, you're not going to sustain this result. If we don't do this intelligently. And number three, if you ever want to get back to this place, because we are probably going to gain some weight in the reverse process. But if we do this properly, we can reverse and try to manage that. So you don't gain too much weight back. And then we can diet sooner to get that off the right way because we did it the right way to reverse out versus yeah. just going right back and gaining weight and causing body uh, dysmorphia even worse. Like, yeah, your appetite regulation is going to be all fucked up. So you want to reverse somewhat slowly just to build self-control, teach them habits along the way, show them how to eat high volume foods, the basic stuff, right? They, they're going to like want to basically eat quote unquote clean, not that flexible because flexible foods. And if it fits your macro style dieting is usually filling your calories up with a lot of like high calorie, uh, calorically dense foods that that's not going to make reverse dieting easy. So fill them up with bro foods, clean foods, high volume diet, teach them the habits so that you can try to implement some self-control, but also because those calories have a higher thermic effect. It's going to help them burn calories while they're doing it. It's going to fuel them with better energy. And then these people who came off this diet are not exercising. So what you need to do is linearly, meaning parallel with this, as you're increasing their calories, you need to increase activity levels. So they go from a ultra low calorie diet, which most of the time, these types of diets, they say you have to eat 800 to a thousand calories. There's no rules on protein or anything like that. So the best thing that you can do, and this is what I'll leave you with, take that person, give them macros to hit, increase their calories first by bumping protein up significantly. Cause usually those people fall in these 800 calorie diets. They don't eat enough protein cause they want to save their calories for what they enjoy, which is usually gonna be fats and carbs. It's normal. That's what most of us enjoy. Nobody just wants to eat protein unless you are a freak and want to get shredded like me at times. <laughs> but you increase their calories first by proteins. We know it's not going to store as fat. It's going to help their recovery and their satiety. So we start there so that they can trust you because now we bump up their calories and they see that they didn't gain as much weight. They feel better. They're recovering better. They're more satiated and they're staying leaner. They trust you. Cool. Now we can bump up the rest of their calories even more with protein and or carbs and fats while also increasing their activity because they go from doing no activity, no training because they're doing Octavia and this low calorie diet. Well, now that we're going to start pushing strength training in cardio or whatever, yes, that's healthy. It's going to promote muscle growth and all that, but that requires calories that they were not eating. So yeah, you got to bump up their calories, but guess what? You're doing things with those calories. So like you can just bump training up alongside the calories and emphasize protein. And usually they will be totally fine. Totally. And as long as you do that graciously in a slow process, you'll be good. And anybody who is not at their goal yet, like they come to you, they're like, Hey, I've been doing this. I know I got to stop, but I still want to lose fat. Usually you got to be like, Hey, we're going to have to push the pause button. Or like the plan is just maintain this. And if you're lucky as you increase protein in their calories, while also increasing the activity, the activity causes enough fat yep. loss and expenditure of calories that they end up losing weight still. Um, but most likely you got to tell them to pause. So long winded answer, but, um, ultimately that's, that's as easy as I can break it down. It's going to require some really, really good coaching and some really, really 
smooth conversations and, and just upfront and just brutally honest conversations with the client to, to help them in the right way. Amen. So, um, guys, questions, uh, send them our way. Click the link in the description or hit the green button. If you are on Spotify, make sure you check out giantlifting.com for all of your fitness equipment needs. You can use TCM 10 to save on that. If you need help with coaching, if you just did Octavia or a crash diet and you need help with proper coaching to get you out of that diet hole, taylorcoachingmethod.com, click the yellow button on the homepage, apply for coaching. We'd love to talk to you and help you out. And as always, leave us a five-star rating and review. We appreciate you guys listening and we will catch you next time.